Good morning, Precious Church. What a great crowd. There's not a lot of empty seats out there today, and that's always, always a joy to see. If you would turn your Bibles to James chapter 3, we're going to spend all of our time there this morning, with the exception of a few other references from the New Testament and Old. But as we do, I want to ask you a question. If you were to just, right off the top of your head, if you, someone were to ask you, what is the most powerful thing in the world? Now, as Christians, we might come up with a spiritual answer like, well, the, the grace of God or faith, something to that effect. And that's true. However, if we were to kind of narrow the scope of that question to practically, I mean, in day-to-day living amongst other people, what's the most powerful thing in the world? Now, people in the world may respond, a nuclear bomb or a power plant or I don't know, a a locomotive or something to that effect. But it's not the most powerful thing in the world. The most powerful thing in the world, practically, interrelationally, in regard to other people, are words. They're the most powerful thing in all the world. Words have destroyed societies. Words have built countries. Words have started wars. Words have stopped wars. Words have saved countless lives, and words have cost innumerable lives. Words are powerful. Words can make person be the best person they can be, or words can utterly destroy them. And what's intriguing about this is that All those other answers, I don't own a locomotive, never will, never want to. Or a nuclear weapon, never will, never want to. Or any of the other things that people would think of as powerful, but the most powerful thing in all the world in regard to being able to build or destroy, to encourage or discourage, the most powerful thing in the world is entrusted to every single person. And and that's really an odd thought, isn't it? That we have, each of us, with the power of our lips and our tongue, we have power, incredible power. And we've all seen it be used. We've all experienced it, both in the good and the negative. And this text in James chapter 3 is all about that. As we turn over and we examine the words of what many have called the most practical of all the books of the Bible, he gets really, really plain and applicable in his language here in James chapter 3. He starts off in verse 1 and says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Why is that? Because words have power. Because a teacher is one who wields those words every day, all the time, and with great potential effect for good or great potential effect for destruction. So he says, teachers, they're going to be held responsible for how they use the power of words. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to be able to bridle the whole body. Now, that's interesting because he says, you're not going to do this perfectly. 
Because with anything powerful, it's a little hard to contain, isn't it? He's going to talk about a bit and a bridle. I've never broke a horse. I probably will never do that either. But I can tell you this. I can just, I know this. Everybody knows this. Horses are powerful things with their own will. And you know what? It's not that much different than the tongue. Sometimes my tongue has its own will. And it is a powerful thing and has to be bridled and controlled. So he continues on. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, and they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look also to ships. Although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder whenever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member of the but boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set apart from the members in that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But that no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, in the likeness of God. You see, words, we all have experienced this. I mean, they have such a powerful impact on everybody. We were told as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. No greater lie has ever been uttered. Because bones heal, they can be set. And illness can be, can be recovered from. But words sometimes have a lifetime impact. Words are powerful. That's why I think the greatest training ground for warriors, I mean, destructive, barbaric instruments of doom is junior high school. I mean, think about it. I remember when my girls were in junior high school, boys, it's a little better because boys sometimes settle their, their problems like this and then it's over and they're bus buddies again. But girls, our daughters... I can tell you, they come home in junior high school. It was a soap opera at our house every single day. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. My mom watched that one. That's why I know that line. So, you know, we would have that all the time. They'd come home from school and this girl was mean to me and I wasn't invited to sit at this person's table. And I'm like, okay. Lenora, though, she was really, she could really work through. She's a master politician in, in junior high girls' world. But it, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Just the things they say to each other. Oh, nice blouse. Did you get that at Kmart? <laughs> Today's the last day Kmart's open, you know, so you might want to get you a blouse there. And, but just so ugly. And some days the girls would come home. And they would be on cloud nine because somebody had said something. Somebody said something about my purse or somebody said something. 
And it's like, words. that's why the internet is becoming such an issue. Because it's a platform for words. And it's easier to be loose with your thumbs even than it is with your tongue. Because you, there are, I know people, members of the church, who will say things on there that they wouldn't have the guts to say face to face. Let me tell you, anything that takes away the need to have courage to confront people where you can just speak your mind is not a healthy thing. It's not. Because words have power. And we all know it. We've all experienced it. We've all been lifted up. We've all been torn down by the power of words. They can motivate. They can dishearten. They can inspire. They can destroy. And when we think about it, the tongue can fix a bad situation or it can make a bad situation be so much worse. And James lets us know that we will never have complete control over our tongue and everything. Just like, you know, somebody can ride a horse that's pretty well trained, but sometimes it's still going to buck you. But that doesn't mean you just let the wild stallion run wild. You constantly work to contain and control that power. You know, anything in our lives that do have a limited amount of destructive power, we take very seriously. Whenever we're, I haven't shot as many guns since I've been up in Michigan because, you know, I go outside in hunting season and my gun freezes up, so it doesn't work. But, you know, it, I, down, when we get down south, we'll probably do a lot more of that again. And I can, I can envision my grandson and getting him his first 22 and shotgun and rifle and all that stuff. I'm looking forward to all of that. But, I mean, safety got to come first, right? That has great, it's a great tool of great possibilities, but it's got to be respected. Because you don't make sure it's not loaded. You always make sure it's not loaded. You don't point it at people. You know, all those little things. Why do we do that with that? With our, when our children learn to drive a car. Anybody been that parent in the passenger seat? You lived through it. It's amazing. It scared you to death. But you're like, I mean, that strains a parent-child relationship because there's a whole lot of yelling going on in that car. You need to stop faster or you need to stop slower or you need to, whatever it may be, because there's a whole lot of power in their hands and we respect that power if we're not a fool. What comes out of our lips is more powerful than any of those things. And so many people don't respect it. We live in a world of less and less self-control with the most powerful thing in all the world. And we as Christians must lead the way in being responsible with our words. So James is going to go through in the next few verses, verse 9 through verse 13, and he's going to share some practical wisdom about the danger of words, starting in verse 9. But with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness, in the similitude of God. We need to be aware of the damage, the extreme damage that words can cause. When I was a little boy, I broke my arm running into the church building. I think I was about eight years old, and I tripped over the threshold of the double doors that open up, and I fell, and I broke my arm. I cannot remember any of the pain from that experience, 
But I remember being teased about the cast. And that's 38 years old. That is 40 years ago. And I don't remember anything about the actual pain of the injury, but I remember a lot about the words that were spoken. And that's true in every one of our lives. Most problems. Now, correct me if you think this isn't true. Do it after church because we don't want to have a, a big brouhaha here. But most problems are the result of words. Are they not? Church problems. So-and-so said something to so-and-so. I have seen congregations that divided and split and the Lord was dishonored and the community was turned away because people couldn't just keep their mouths quiet. Or they had to speak their mind or give their opinion or tell somebody what they thought. We need control. When I get down south, I'm going to have to deal with one aspect of the idea of the power of words, controlling the bless your heart part. Don't, don't laugh too hard because you're not off the hook yet. Because down south, that's a struggle. People don't speak their mind, but they speak in passive-aggressive language, which is damaging. But you know what you northerners have? It is not right, and I'm, I'm talking to you now. It's not right for a Christian just to say whatever pops in their mind. Well, because I just speak my mind. I mean, sometimes up here in our culture, in Michigan, some people don't have any tact, and it's not godly. If they need to control their gossip, you need to control your strong opinion, right? You don't just say whatever you need to say. Regardless of what difficulty we have in words, there's not an excuse to not have mastery of your words. Because words can be destructive. Words can hurt. And you know, a lot of times the damage they do, you don't even know it because people won't tell you. All of us have probably said something to someone that hurt them deeply. And they never let us know. That's why we have to be cautious. Words divide churches. Words divide nations. Words can destroy your workplace. And words have destroyed families. Words have destroyed families. There was a little thing online the other day. And I clicked on it and read it. Because it was like it said 29 people share the reason they got divorced. And there were these little blurbs. And I knew I was going to be preaching on this, so I read through, and on every single one of them, the last straw that this person said was something the other person said to them. Words. They have power. They have to be contained, and they have to be controlled. It says in Proverbs twelve eighteen, there is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. He says, if you speak rashly, if you don't have control over what you say, it's like plunging a sword into another person. He says, but the person who does, what a marvelous contrast, but the person who does have wisdom and control of what they say, that same voice, those same 
Words can be words of healing as well as they can of destruction. James says it this way in verse 6, the tongue is a fire that this little bitty spark can burn down a whole forest. I remember when we built our house in, in Arkansas, they hadn't yet come and paved the driveway. And we had all this construction material, you know, boards and all that. And I was going to haul it off to the dump. And my buddy said, just burn it. And I said, it's a lot. He said, well, yeah, just make a fire where they're, where they're going to pour that driveway. But we're kind of in the middle of town. We had a big lot, but we're in the middle of town. So I was concerned about that. Well, sure enough, I made a big burn pile and I burnt all that stuff. And I mean, it was 20 feet from my garage when I was doing that. So I stood out there and I sat in the garage and I piddled around, but I was within eye shot of that fire the whole time. Why? Because I knew I respected it. It could get out of control just like that and I could lose everything. And although it had a good purpose and a good usage, it had to be monitored. It had to be monitored. We have to monitor the things that we say. We always should think before we speak and ask, what's going to be the potential result of this? Words have the ability to damage so severely. Secondly, words cannot be taken back. They can't. I, I, this is, it's amazing, but words can have a very powerful, powerful uplifting effect, but it's a much more subtle effect than the damaging effect. And what I mean by that is that if you say something kind to someone, that's helpful and that's good and it will build them up. But one negative thing will wipe away a hundred positive. It does. And you know it's true because you've lived it and experienced it. The negative stuff sticks with us. The positive stuff, that's great, but it, I, I, know, I know this is true because I, I train preachers. And I can tell you they'll always come and they'll be like, yeah, I have this brother or this sister or these people or, and they're constantly complaining and it's just, just so discouraging. I said, do you have anybody, have anybody ever who builds you up or says that you do a good job he said yeah I got like 300 of those every week but you know but this per and that's not what's on their mind you understand because this little negative outshadows hundreds of positives we need to watch what we say because you can't take it back you can't take it back can you make up for it yes but you're just making your life hard you say something negative. There have been little things I've said to Lenora through the years that to me, because I'm an insensitive human being called a male, that I've said to her that she still remembers. It was, some, it was just a passing thought. It wasn't a big deal. I didn't care enough about No, you don't look good in that because of... Don't ever go down that road, fellas. <laughs> don't ever. The right answer when she's trying stuff on in the, in the story, that makes you look great. And that makes you look great too. I don't know which one I like better. This third one makes you look so... All three of them are great. Because, the, frankly, you don't know what you're talking about anyway, so just answer it that way. I mean, but the thing is, is there have been a few little things, I mean, it's true, that I've said through the years, and they've, I mean, 
Well, don't you remember? Sometimes it'll come out. Well, does this, does this look good? Yeah, it does. Or, or do you really think it looks like what you said in 1997? <laughs> On April 11th <laughs> at 2.31 p.m. <clears throat> you know, yeah. and I was, if I could go back and take some of those things back, because you spend a lifetime sometimes fixing something you said in one second. One second. Words cannot be taken back. You see, Jesus said so, this in so many different ways. And when we move and transition in our text down to verse 10 and 11 and 12, it says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And then verse 12, can a fig, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring can yield both salt, water, and fresh. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. Well, here we see very plainly, that words reveal something about who we are. You can tell what kind of person a person is, or at least you're going to make a judgment based upon the things that they say. It seems to me that filthy language and things that people say are becoming more common than ever before. And it's intriguing to me because I remember a time when I was a young man that even folks that were not religious, folks in the world, still had some reign over profanity and the ugly things that they say because the truth is, is people would judge that. My mom always said, you know, don't say those things because I want people to think that you're intelligent. Clearly, it's not a marker of intelligent or lack of in our society anymore. But it is an indicator of a lack of self-control. And so it's vitally important that we be a people that realize that our words reflect who we really are. You know a negative person when you meet one after being around them a little while because their words are always negative. And you know a positive person after being with them for a while because their words are always positive. Which one do you enjoy being with more? Thank you, Curtis. That's right. Positive people. And because the thing is, is that those words tell you something about who they are. Everybody, you always said, yeah, I don't like being around that person. They're always negative. How do you know that? Only one way. Their words. Words reflect who we are. In Matthew chapter 12, 34, Jesus says, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? He says, you can't. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And if your words are something that is out of control, you need to go deeper than your words and find out what your heart's got wrong with it that's causing your words to reflect if you have words that are ugly, your heart is ugly. 
That's what, I didn't say that, Jesus did. A heart that is filled with love and compassion and service and faith will be reflected by words that exemplify those traits. And the opposite is equally true. In Ecclesiastes 10, 12 through 14, it says, Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies his words. He wants to talk a lot, even though he has nothing useful to say. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him who will come after him? Our words betray us. They show the true, true nature of our character. Which leads us to the application. And for this, we'll skip back to verse 2 of our text, where it says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us. Changing your character begins, begins with changing your words. James 1.26, back just a couple chapters, he said, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. And this man's religious religion is worthless. So it's very practical how we change our heart, who we are. We, number one, decrease the number of foolish, bad, insultive, critical things that you say. And increase the number of positive, good, faith-filled, and uplifting things that you say. And this is one area where some of us sometimes make excuses. Well, that's just not me. I'm just not a wordy person. Or they'll think, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm outspoken. That's just who I am. Okay, change who you are. Because it doesn't please the Lord. And you change how you are by even though you may naturally want to say the ugly thing, don't. And it may not come natural to you to want to build someone up or say the positive good thing. Say it anyway. Well, it won't sound genuine because I don't, I don't care. It's called practice. You do it enough, it will be genuine. And it will sound genuine. Nobody's good at something the first time they do it. You have to work at it and work at it and work at it. So as we conclude, look at 1 Peter 3, verse 10. First Peter says, For let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Every one of us struggle with our tongue. James told us that we do, and we always will. We must be, we've talked before, the greatest aim of the Christian life 
is to master yourself. And this is one area where we must be constantly disciplining ourselves to control the things we say. This morning, I I have no doubt there are those here today who you know, you know, throughout this sermon, there's been something in the back of your mind that you know you've said, or a many somethings that you wish that you could take back. Well, there's a few things you need to do. You need to stop talking that way. You need to start building up and lifting people up. And thirdly, you may need to repent, and it may even need to be publicly, because here's the thing. The person that you wish you could take it back may be in this room. It may be a child. It may be your spouse. It may be another brother or sister. And and it'll go a long way to humble yourself and to say, I'm sorry I haven't always watched my words. Forgive me. I'm going to do better. You need to respond this morning. Come as we stand and as we stand.